you're listening to the It's Tough Dude podcast. My name is Jake Johnson. In this show, I talk about stories, adventure, Jesus, psychology, and literally any other topic that I find interesting. Sometimes I bring on a guest, and sometimes it's just me. Either way, I hope you join me as I navigate the deep waters of the heart. Because I get it. Life is tough. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to the It's Tough Dude podcast. Now, in this episode, I have a conversation with my new friend, Jared McKenna. Brian Zahn has said that Jared McKenna has the keen mind of a theologian, the warm heart of a pastor, and the dauntless courage of an activist. And as a skilled communicator, all three of these attributes are evident as he seeks to form people in Christ-like peacemaking. I have the highest respect for Jared McKenna and his work. End quote. Jared's passion is to see the transfiguring power of God's love become our experience in prayer and program for ecological and social healing. He is a Peace Award-winning social change trainer, the founding CEO of Common Grace Australia, and is the co-host with Dr. Drew Hart of the popular podcast, Inverse. I really hope y'all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Now, here we go. All right. Hey, Jared, thanks so much for coming on the It's Tough Dude podcast, uh, especially considering that we're on two different time zones and two separate continents and I think two separate days. Um, there you go. 9 p.m. where I'm at and what, like 10 a.m. where you are? We've got 10 a.m. on Wajuk Nungabuja, or um, as you find it on most maps today, Perth, Western Australia. A little bit about my just my own story. Um, yes, yeah, you know, we haven't really gotten to know each other that much. Um, so a year ago, if I'd met you, I, I would have thought you were crazy. Um, like if I'd come well, across your podcast, still might be true, Jake. Yeah. Hey, you, you're, yeah. <laughs> but like, I probably would have disagreed with you on pretty much everything. Um, but now I'm like, I look up to you and, and I love you and the work you're doing. Um, but so I, uh, was born on a military base in uh, Pensacola, Florida. Um, wow. Yeah, my dad was in the Air Force. Um, I've grown mm-hmm. up in a in a very uh, military and patriotic family. Um, you know, I mean, I could almost every male in my family um, has been in the military, um, and many of the women as well. Um, up until about three or four months ago, I had an American flag hanging right on my wall. Um, mm. And uh, when I was, uh, I mean, all the way up until I was about seventeen or eighteen, that's what I wanted to do was go into the military. And um, I remember talking to, I, w- I graduated from a private Christian high school. And I remember meeting with the, uh, the dean of the school, who's, um, he, he's a pastor as well. And I just, I started going to his church recently. But um, I met with him and was telling him that I wanted to go into the military. And he told me to consider that, uh, like from a Christian perspective. And I was just mm. taken aback because I was like, dude, what do you mean? I was like, what do you mean? Like, God is clearly for this, right? You know? Um, and he just kind of just kindly told me to go read the Sermon on the Mount. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I went and, you know, read the Sermon on the Mount and, and studied it. And keep in mind, this is coming from not just a guy who wanted to go into the military, but a guy who by the time he was 18, I had shot probably 50 plus different types of guns um, and, <laughs> and owned multiple. All right. Um, wow. And um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I went and, 
and, and I loved Jesus as well throughout, throughout mm. all that time. I, I really do believe it. I, ironically, my senior quote when I graduated high school was, um, I just want to love Jesus and fight bad guys. That was, that wow. was my senior quote. I look back yeah, on that yeah, and yeah. just, and just, I kind of laugh seeing the irony of it. But um, anyways, about a year later, um, after, so I ended up being disqualified from joining the military because of a peanut allergy. Um, and then, um, no way. And, and yeah. that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've, I've got asthma as well um, uh-huh. and a few other allergies, but, but so that was, I mean, that was very disappointing for me. Right. But, um, about a year after, um, the guy who's now my pastor told me to go and, and read the sermon on the Mount. Uh, I came back to him one day at a high school volleyball game and I was like, Hey, um, I think I'm a pacifist now. <laughs> uh, and uh, I was like, would you, uh, you got any book recommendations? Um, and he, uh, among many, he recommended me, uh, Brian Zahn's A Farewell to Mars. Um, Great text. Didn't read it until, uh, this past August and, um, loved it. I knew that if I'd read it any earlier, I probably would have thrown it out the window. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I would say over the past like year, I've, um, you know, I've, I've fallen in love with, um, with Jesus's teaching of nonviolence. And most of all, um, what's beautiful to me about it is, you know, you, you mentioned how, um, you know, Baptist can mean a lot of things. And, um, I, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the Southern United States. Um, but I live in what many refer to as the Bible belt. Right. Mm. Um, I don't know. Have you heard that term before? Yeah, I, I actually, uh, I, I lived for eight months in Nashville, which okay. uh, some would say is the belt buckle of the Bible belt. And, <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, often teach in the U S um, uh, I mean, not this last year because all things pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but prior to that, um, nearly annually. Um, so the, the U S I am familiar with Jake. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you, uh, you, you I think you kind of get what I mean by that. I I'm referring more to the, um, cause I, I grew up in, in Baptist churches and, you know, I've got plenty of friends, right. If they're listening to this podcast, like, please, uh, I want them to know, like, I love them and everything. Um, but, um, I guess the, the, uh, I want to be careful saying this, but the theology that I learned, or at least believe that I was learning was, um, what I would describe as like a, a very violent view of God to where, mm-hmm. um, you know, this, this, uh, split view of the Trinity, right. To where, yeah. you know, the father kills the son. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, that I'm now appalled by that. And I find that particular theology very hard to believe. Yet I know many people to where that is the gospel. Like that's what they believe the good news is. Um, and when I say that I don't believe that, you know, I'm a, I'm a heretic. Um, mm. Because, you know, I, I don't believe that God killed the son, but that God was in the son, right? Reconciling the mm-hmm. world to himself. Um, that's good, Jake. And, and once I started to come see that, I like, I was just like, Jesus is far more beautiful than I could ever imagine, you know? And then I started thinking we've had wars for millennia and they haven't fixed a thing, you know? Um, and, mm. and we just kind of live by this, you know, this myth of redemptive violence. And I lived by it for so long. Like I truly was passionate about what I, I was passionate about things like, you know, people 
experiencing poverty or oppression or whatever. Um, but I, I always believed that the, the way to handle that was, you know, to use violence. I was really impressed mm. that, um, like you quoted second Corinthians chapter five, um, that God was in Christ reconciling the world mm. to himself. I mean, even, even starting there, Jake, for, mm. for people to realize that, um, th this isn't an ideological add on. Mm. This isn't about, um, Oh, so you've changed your <clears throat> politics. How, how are you going to do activist Christianity or, or yeah, something? Yeah. Um, but instead this is about uh, how to take seriously that <clears throat> God was in Christ reconciling the world yeah. to God's self, how to take seriously that um, he is the image of the invisible God. Mm. So if, if Jesus is the image of the invisible God, if, if what we get in Jesus is what we get in the mystery of the holy trinity um then how we do any aspect of our theology mm. let alone our, our lived experience um has to be um shot through with that kind of beauty mm. and so how we talk about um atonement theologies um has to be worthy of the beauty we see in jesus and the the doctrine of the trinity is a way of um protecting that what we see in Jesus is what we get in God. Mm. And so um, to, to realize that God can't be divided against God's self. So, uh, I mean, the, there's any number of motifs throughout the new Testament um, to explain what God is doing in Christ, which, which is amazing that Jesus doesn't leave us with a theory. He leaves us with a meal in community. Oh, yeah that um, uh, this is my body. And as we enact it, as we um, bring God's future into the present by remembering what God has done for us in the past, mm. those motifs, those pictures, those images um, of uh, Christ being victorious or uh, Christ being our ransom or Christ being an offering or sacrifice, um, all of them take on meaning for us in light of the life we mm. see in Christ. So, so maybe a, a way to start, Jake, is, is we could um, we could choose a particular text and and just start digging down. Um, we could kind of go, okay, so what are the implications for um, theology for Christian life? For yeah, is that helpful? Yeah, that is. I've definitely. Um, I know uh, N.T. Wright's been a big influence on you. Um, yeah, and he's I've, been very kind to me over the years. I've been. Uh, I've been reading a lot of him late, probably over the past year, been, uh, been reading a lot of his stuff. Like the day the Revol yeah, revolution began. I, I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah. Um, with that great one. text, but, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a particular like text in scripture. I don't, I don't really have one off the top of my head. Can I give you one of the texts that, um, m my boys have been memorizing? Yeah, for sure. Um, I love this text because it, it is one of um, the last witnesses we have in the New Testament. I'm thinking of um, John's first epistle. So first I'm gonna, John. I'm going to grab my Bible real quick. Yeah, do it, mate. Do it. <clears throat> and, and to start here and go from here, the incredible 
the incredible journey that you're on Jake is, um, one of the joys of it is realizing as you read, um, the writings of the early church, mm. that this stuff isn't new. Mm. Um, uh, this, this insistence on the Sermon on the Mount isn't to be dismissed, but is actually to be embodied. Mm. Um, uh, understanding that um, God is as beautiful as the love we see in Jesus. And so I, I thought maybe if we go first John chapter four, and maybe we start from seven and l- let's just see how far, we get, but this is the beloved disciple at the end of his life, um, re- reflecting on what it is, this mystery that he has witnessed, that he has undergone, mm. and um, that this community that he's writing to is participating in. And some of the theological assumptions that are in here um, just make some of the brittle theologies which um, you were describing fade away into insignificance when considering this beauty, Mm. but it is challenging. Like, yeah. Um, But the challenge is Jesus. Mm. Let's actually, do do you want to read from, um, or would you like me to read? Uh, You can read it. Yeah, sure. Um, So this is first John four. I'm going to start at verse seven and uh, I've got with me today, the NIV, which N.T. Wright likes to joke is the nearly inspired version, but um, (laughs) here we go. Um, Dear friends or beloved in many translations, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Before we get to verse nine and we talk about how we define love or, or what kind of love, Jake, if, if you were to take um, the theologies you've kind of received, what is the most challenging stuff that happens in verse seven and eight to those theologies? Um, what words stick out? The, so I'm reading from the NLT. Um, mm-hmm. And um, where you said everyone who loves is, is a child of, well, mine says anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Um, and for me, I love hearing that. I, um, but, but the theology that I grew up in was if you don't belong, you know, if you're not one of us, then you don't know God. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like if, if you don't have all of your theological doctrines right, or if you didn't pray this specific prayer, you know, and raise mm-hmm. your hand, then, then you don't know God. And so I need to correct your beliefs and get you to know God and how, how I see this. And I know plenty of my listeners are probably going to find this very controversial, but it's like, if, if you love, you, you know, God, at least in, at least in some capacity, you know, <laughs> Jake, it's just what the text says. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, t- take it up with the beloved disciple it's it's literally just what the text says right yeah do you have do you want to say anything about that i think equally um, whoever does not love does not know god Mm. because god is love like to to remember that the um uh, i mean this is somebody who's formed in the jewish tradition Mm. for whom um 
so I used to run Together for Humanity, which was started by a friend of mine named uh, Rabbi Zalman Castell. Uh, Reb Zalman was actually from uh, Brooklyn and he came out to Australia because uh, he was part of such a conservative Hasidic Jewish um, sect that he came out to meet his soon to be wife. It was an arranged marriage. So he, mm. he's conservative, Jake. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. He comes out to Australia and um, he realizes that there's a lot of um, prejudice and um, uh, like false assumptions about people of faith generally, um, Jews in particular. And he starts this work wanting to cha challenge um, uh, religious. Uh, prejudice, educate people, and also show that um, people of, of faith can work for the common good. Mm. And so he started meeting with um, people from different faiths. There's somebody who's, you know, very conservative. So conservative, he's coming to Australia to meet his bride because it's a arranged marriage. And he, he starts mixing in circles where it was um, uh, interfaith um, rather than multi-faith. And it was uh, people saying all faiths are the same. We're just, you know, it's it's all different symbols pointing to the same reality. And he's like, I'm I'm an Orthodox Hasidic Jew. Mm -hmm. my, my faith is not the same. And so he started this work um, where the, the whole basis of it is um, we believe different things. Mm. And yet there is enough in our traditions to be neighborly to one another and work together for the good of all. Mm. And so the work we would go into schools and um, we'd often take a um, Aboriginal elder, um, uh, we'd take an Imam, we'd take a, a rabbi and a, a Christian leader. I know this sounds like the start of a, a joke. I was just right? about to like, say yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I'm often, um, you know, I pastor, years of pastoring, um, I, I'm the Christian representative. And one of the things we do in the workshops is um, people say what they actually believe. And these are in public schools, which, um, you know, people are actually getting to say, Here, here's what I believe. And so like our friend Muhammad Dugali, uh, who was an imam, he would say, um, uh, I believe we all worship the, the one God because um, God is one and Muhammad is his final prophet. And to which like the rest of us would go, ah, yeah, that's, that's not where we're coming from. Right. Yeah. And um, then it would often be my go. And um, I always um, jumped into um, uh, Colossians and was like um, in him, Jesus, God was pleased to have his fullness dwell and through him reconcile everything mm. in heaven and on earth and under the earth through his bloodshed on the cross um, to which the others were like, yeah, that's not what I'm, where I'm coming from. What made me bring up Rabbi Zalman Castell is Reb Zalman, he, he would often say, I don't know what to say of God. As Jews, God is a mystery. Mm. But this mystery liberated us from slavery in mm. Egypt and wow. called us to be a people. Mm. Now, in, in this text here, John is a Jew that has that same approach to the unpronounceable name of God. Mm. Jake, th this is um, why our Jewish friends today will say the Hashem, which um, means the name, or in translations, it'll often say um, uh, Adonai, um, which means Lord, or in your translation, um, it will um, often be Lord all in capitals. Yeah. Um, th th this is the unpronounceable name of God that gets translated uh, I am that I am, uh, mm. or um, I, 
uh, was that I will be, or I am that I will be, or the, the various ways. But God's response to Moses in Exodus 3 is, you can't box me, mm. you can't control me. Um, you tell them in terms of Moses saying, who should I say sent me? Um, the one that is sent me. <laughs> yeah. For, for somebody who, for whom God is a mystery, and this mystery is creator, not creator way back then, but right now, mm. creator, all of life is a gift from this reality that we can't explain. And yet this reality is in the business of hearing the cries of the oppressed and answering. Mm. He makes a daring claim that this God is love. Mm. And to know this God is to love. Mm. For a Jewish person to do so is not to lessen the mystery. Mm but to actually name something of the nature of it. Mm. And this is why any serious reflection on the life of Jesus must lead us to the point that John gets to hear mm. that we know we are called to love, that our <clears throat> vocation is love, that um, God is love because we have reflected and meditated and contemplated the life we see lived in Jesus mm. and there is no other conclusion to come to, but that the creator of all who is in the business of setting people free mm. is love. If we take seriously the life of Jesus. Mm. So th this text, um, it, it calls to mind all theological games that want to say you can somehow be right without loving. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 I think that kind of echoes, um, uh, Paul in, in first Corinthians, uh, is it the end of 13 where he says, mm -hmm. you know, basically he goes on that long list of, you know, you can do all these things, be all these things, but you know, if you don't love, you have nothing. Um, you have, you have nothing. Yeah. So Paul coming to, um, a similar, and again, Paul is talking about what it is to be, I know people hear that text, um, uh, you know, pastors like me, we use it at weddings, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's actually about how to be in community together. Mm. Jake, there, there is something, um, one of the assumptions of this text in terms of First John, but also in terms of the text you brought up in terms of First Corinthians 13, there's a, the assumption that life in light of Jesus brings us into a community where we have to deal with um, complicated, ordinary uh um, problematic people like us mm. and what it is to actually love. Yeah. And so whatever, like if, if I'm going to be wrong, Jake, yeah, I'll, I want to be wrong in the direction of love. Mm. I, I want to be wrong because I've taken Jesus too seriously. I, mm. I want to be wrong because um, like, can you imagine the final judgment and it being like, Jared, too much Jesus. <laughs> Too, too much Jesus stuff Yeah. In, in, in your understanding of God, in your eschatology, mm. in your ecclesiology, too, too much Jesus. Mm. Well, amen. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, um, I actually had a conversation with two friends of mine this morning about that. How, if I want to, if I'm going to make errors in my theology, I want to make errors on the side of love. 
you know um yeah. and 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 we're playing with that term because uh what this text goes on to say is actually if there isn't love being embodied if love is not the reality that holds us together if it's not what exists between people then we we don't actually know what we're talking about mm. if we say anything about god whatsoever mm. Sh shall we go on some yeah yeah for sure so again, like uh, dearly beloved, let us love one another for love comes from God. So that th this is a reality that emanates from who God is. This is what our friends um, in Eastern Orthodoxy uh, would talk about in terms of questions of energy um, and essence. Um, th this is the power of God. Love is the power of God mm. at work in God's people. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed God's love amongst us, right? So th this is it. This is, Jake, where we find our definitions. Are yeah. we going to allow love to be some soft, soft floaty kind of thing? Um, mm -hmm. Do you want to read it? Uh, yeah, verse 9 and 10. 9, uh-huh. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Huh. This... But it, you want to start there? I've got in my translation um, that we might live through him. Oh, I like that. I like that more. It, it's, it's the same thing, but yeah. if eternal life, you've been taught to think mm. about it as afterlife mm. instead of life shot through with the reality of God right now. Yeah. Um, you, you, you're actually going <clears> to <throat> miss what's going on. Uh, apparently, according to the beloved disciple, the, the reason it, this is how God showed his love amongst us. God gave of God's one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Mm. So apparently one of the places to start with good theology, one of the places to start with people are like, okay, so I'm going through, um, often people use terms like deconstructing, like mm -hmm. what do I put together that that's more beautiful. Uh, apparently one of the purposes of God giving of God's self in the person mm. of Jesus is that we might live through him. Mm. So if, if we're not living through Jesus, if our, our lives don't look like Jesus, mm. we miss the purpose that he came. Yeah. So whatever, whatever forgiveness of sins means, and of course it's part of the gospel, mm -hmm. but it's, it's for living through Christ yeah. or abiding in Christ. Yeah, it's I loving think, one another. Yeah, I think it's so it's so sad to me to to reduce the good news to this, you know, like postmortem afterlife, mm -hmm. you know, picture of the gospel. Um, just as you said, pointing out the difference between what many believe eternal life is versus what it actually is. Um, mm -hmm. And I know I grew up with that, you know, um, that theology of, you know, you're either going to go upstairs or downstairs and, you know, believe a certain thing and you're going to go upstairs. Right. Um, and I guess it adds to that uh, when, when you say that, you know, the scales needed to be right, you know, where it's like, you're a bad person, you need to die, but God killed his son. If you believe that, that's somehow good news. I kind of look on that and I'm, I'm like, do I really want to spend eternal life with a God who did that to his own son? Like that doesn't sound mm -hmm. 
he doesn't sound like a good God, but then you, you know, yeah. the rebuttal to that is, Oh, well, God's righteous. And you know, so whatever yeah. God does is, is good. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm like that, I, like, but that's just the, the theology that I think many, including myself grow up in or find ourselves in and, and to my friends and, and family members who, who don't believe and are very cynical towards Christianity and, and don't want to follow Jesus. Um, I completely understand why, like, mm. you know, uh, I mean, when I look back on the things I've heard, I'm like, I, I don't want to believe that either. If you know, like, yeah, like, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had people not believing for the right reasons? It's yeah. Like, life is about living through him. Mm. No, I don't want my life to be about love. I don't, I don't want my life to be lived for others. I, I don't want to be found amongst those who are hurting and broken I, I don't want my life to be a sign of the world to come. Like instead of people going, actually, I want something more compassionate than what you're talking about. Yeah. How sad when, because people want something Christ-like, they have to walk away from the church. Oh man. Instead of be embraced by a oh. place that actually embodies that. Yeah. No, it's, it's beautiful. And I know, I know for me, um, I would say, you know, a lot of people and, and I, you know, truthfully, I don't have these conversations with, with a lot of friends or a lot of mentors. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of people may look at some of the shifts I've made theologically and politically and all and be like, oh, Jake's become, you know, some progressive liberal. But in a way, I think I've actually become more conservative. Mm -hmm. um, because it's like, no, wanting to be compassionate, caring for those who are suffering, you know what I mean? Wanting to wanting to love others, right? Like, that's, that's very conservative. That's what, that's what yeah. Jesus said. That's what the prophet said, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. that's not a value based off of like, you know, the 1950s American dream type. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, Jake, it's like at the end of the Sermon on the Mount when our Lord uh, talks about um, uh, not everybody saying, Lord, Lord will inherit um, the kingdom of heaven. Um, People say, uh, "Do we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out many demons in your name? Uh, Do we not do works of power in your name?" And um, God will respond, "Depart from me, you workers of iniquity." That's the King James version. I never knew. Or depart from me, you evil doers. Um, th there are many things that the evil one can imitate. Apparently, mm. yeah. driving out demons, uh, works of power, prophecy. Yeah. But what Satan can never imitate is love. Yeah. yeah. Because it's who God is. Mm. So it, it's, it's almost um, mm. when Jesus talks about, um, you know, sheep in, in wolves clothing. Um, one of the ways that you know they're wolves is because wolves eat sheep. Mm. If your way of being in the world is actually predatory upon others, yeah. where you have to pretend um, uh, that, that you're part of the community and then eat for dinner. Um, those who are mm. your siblings in Christ, th that's the sign that there's something wrong. Mm. That, that's the sign that actually it, it's, it's a false prophet mm. um, versus what it is to actually produce fruit that is in keeping with mm. if, if God is love, our lives will look like love. If we are undergoing that reality, 
yeah. theology isn't merely a set of um, beliefs to sign up to. And Jake, it's almost the tragedy of the technology of the sinner's prayer, right? You know, yeah. um, it, it, it was designed on your continent by um, Charles Finney and others uh, to actually sign people up for the abolitionist movement. Mm. That that's that's the history of um, the the sinner's prayer is these um, tent revivals where if if you want to come forward and receive Jesus and become an abolitionist and mm. you'd literally sign up at the front, but the assumption was that they were working in a Christendom culture where most people had been baptized as babies, mm. um, or had adults uh, baptism and were coming back to the faith. Mm. Um, it was never to replace baptism for the early church. The, the reason why, um, you know, acts two, you don't find Peter saying, okay, with every, it, you know, they were cut <laughs> to the heart and they said, what should we do? And Peter says, um, with every eyes closed yeah. and heads bowed, uh, right across this place. If uh, you'd like to receive, like, please raise your hand. It's not how it, yeah, how yeah. it works. The, the response is, um, you're immersed in Christ mm. in community to be raised to live a resurrected life. Mm. And, and part of the, um, the sadness is, is um, by losing um, the, the mystery of baptism as immersion in a people and a story and mm. a person of Jesus, um, we miss that um, all theology is something we're to be immersed in, to swim in mm. um, until we walk differently. It, mm. it's, it's not to be, learn in our heads in such ways yeah. that it's separated from the rest of our, our lives. Mm. Um, it's instead where to become people of prayer. And mm. Jake, you can tell people who, who actually are real people of prayer because there is a humility um, that is a byproduct, a side mm. effect of spending time in the presence of the one who is love. Mm. Wow. Yeah. When you get caught up in the love of the Holy Trinity and realize that I, I'm made in the image of this love. My vocation mm. is this love and my end, my telos is this love. Mm. We realize that um, anything but love is a waste of our life. Mm. And yeah. so much theological games are, are used to weaponize um, hating others. Yeah. Oh man. I, um, wow. Thank you for that. That's, that's like, honestly, brother, like that feels that's so life-giving, um, for me to, to hear you say that. Um, I wrote down a, a few days ago, you know, I mentioned, I do, you know, some blog writing and all that. And, um, hmm. I wrote down a quote just like on my notes, like on, on my phone. And, um, I said something about how we, we need to walk the Emmaus road, not the Romans road. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and I, that's good, man. I'm not sure if I, I, I'm assuming you're familiar with the Romans road, right? Like that kind of, I, I had to, to learn, it had to be explained to me by another okay. Christian. And I th they were like, uh, like, haven't you led all these people to Jesus? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, and you don't know the Romans road. And I'm like, no, like I was 18 years old and somebody like wow. took me through it. And I was like, why don't you just like tell them about Jesus? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was my honest response. Yeah. Like, you know, I was like, why don't you just like, and they're like, isn't this what like you use? So um, my experience, Jake is uh, um, I, I was 
came to faith in a house church my parents were a part of. It was mm. they joke it was like fundamentalists anonymous. They they left damaging <laughs> church experiences and <laughs> like, well, what is it to follow Jesus? And started meeting in one yeah. another's um, lounge rooms and um, uh, so it was my sister, myself, and two other um, girls our age at the start of high school. And by the time I was in my final year of high school, there was 150 of us in the youth group. Mm. Uh, there's only eight of us with Christian parents. Wow. So the rest um, were our mates and, um, and we baptized them and, and we discipled them and, mm. and we, and we didn't have a band. Um, there, there was like never a smoke machine. There was nothing cool. There was never mm-hmm. altar calls. Um, so obviously this house church grew out of a house and started meeting in a local high school. Cause um, you know, the youth group alone was uh, 150 uh, kids, but they were just friends from our high schools, like be- between us. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that way of being community together, um, it just didn't come with a bunch of the assumptions and also the unpacking that some people need to, to do. So yeah. Emmaus road makes sense to me. Um, at Romans road, I'm like, mm, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, Oh, it's so unfortunate because uh, I hear I I hear you know pastors say that like you know Romans is the only book of the Bible you need right like if you just have and I'm like actually if you don't understand the story of the Bible or just just the story of Jesus alone you're not yeah. going to understand you know what Paul means uh, in Romans like but anyways with hearing you say that talk about the house search and, and, all and that, mate that that um that's a giveaway that it's, that's an anemic gospel. That's a a sick gospel. Mm. Um, The gospels are called the gospels because they're the gospel. Yeah. Like there's a reason why um, the foretellings of the life of our Lord are called the gospels. Mm. It's because Jesus's life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension is the gospel. Mm. Um, If we miss that, we miss everything. Mm. and and this is the thing for for so many um uh, jesus as messiah isn't the gospel jesus Mm. as a mechanism for Mm. my forgiveness or my um success or my salvation or something else yeah and so if it's if you start the christian journey with me Mm. we haven't started with jesus Mm. and that's not to say that it can't then lead to Jesus because you know the Holy Spirit's at work and God will use what yeah we got to work with but um what if we actually started with the reason that God gave of God's self in the person second person of the Holy Trinity the Son is that we might live through him in the power of the Spirit Mm. that's a that's a completely different starting point and again Jake like in terms of your mates um we haven't left this text. We are teaching straight out yeah. of the text um, written by um, one of our Lord's best mates. Um, yeah. <laughs> like th- this, this is one of the last reflections in the new Testament on the life of our Lord. This is like fine aged wine. Like th- mm. this is something that's been allowed to distill over a long time. And it's shot all the way through with everything mm. that he experienced of Jesus. Yeah. Oh man, it's beautiful. And you just bringing up the, uh, how you, how you described that, um, the, the Romans road thing is like a, an anemic gospel. It kind of, it makes me think of the view of salvation 
um, that I know many to hold, um, which th there's uh, like, I know many people where it's like, the question is always, when did you get saved? You know, or, or how old were you when you got saved? Or what, you know, were you, what summer camp were you at when you got saved? Um, and I've never been able to answer that question. Um, yet even just a few days ago, I, uh, I about 33 AD. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, <laughs> no, I do. Know, I know what you mean. But so when I say that, right, if I was to say, say that as, um, are you familiar with, uh, Brad Jersak? Brad is a really good mate. Okay. A really good mate. Yeah. So yeah. He, oh, it, it's, it's lovely for me. I mean, I'd be, um, Tom Wright isn't a good mate. Uh, yeah. We've hung out a number of times and um, he's been very kind to me. Um, but BZ, Brian's arm's a good mate. Brad's a good mate. Um, so it, yeah, it's, it's lovely for me to see where you're drawing from and who, yeah. who you're. Um, and with, with all those different voices that you've named so far, one of the things that impresses me um, is that the people you're drawing on have an attentiveness um, to uh, both scriptures and what it looks like to actually live out the Christian life discipleship. Mm -hmm. um, but also the tradition of um, the church's prayerful reflection um, on theology um, that is present to all those people you've named as well as mm -hmm. it is important to me. I think one of the, the greatest gifts you can give yourself is realizing the alternative reality that um, the early patristics um, or the, the early writings of uh, the, the church fathers provide um, that this stuff isn't, you know, new, or, as you said before, it's, it's actually conservative. It's conserving yeah. the tradition. It's conserving the, the witness of the early church. Yeah, no, I mean, I, even when you, when you brought up, um, and the reason why I mentioned Brad's name was um, just, you know, you mentioned uh, being saved 33 AD. Um, I, uh, that made me think of, of Brad um, and, and kind of some of what he's written, how, how, how it's influenced, you know, the way I think through salvation and um, mm. you know, what that looks like. Um, it, you just like that idea of like, you have been saved, you are being saved and you will be saved. Um, that's right. And, uh, yeah. that, that changes everything that thought uh, like, yeah. like, wow. And then understanding, you know, I'm not being saved from God. I'm being saved by God from, Amen. you know, from, from the mess yeah. of my own choices and, you know, um, like and, I, and there's some basic, like, um, helpful kind of things that the Christian tradition um, gives to kind of discern how, how we thinking. And one of it again is um, the teaching of the Trinity or the doctrine of the Trinity is a way of actually um, uh, protecting sounds defensive, but it's a way of preserving mm. that any of our thinking about God uh, must be the relational reality that is revealed in the sun through mm. the spirit. Mm. And um, so to think about, am I being saved from God? Um, that would leave one part of God being different in nature to what we see in Jesus. Mm. Yeah. And you're like, but, but I sang that song about the father turned his face away. And it's like, yeah, but you just don't see that in the scriptures. Yeah. But you know, um, it went dark in that, but to read that into it yeah. is actually to do um, violence mm. to 
the revelation of who God is in Jesus. Yeah. And um, it's, it's also to misinterpret, you know, things like uh, Psalm 22. Um, totally. Like it's Go like, there. like, you know, when Jesus says, you know, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, Psalm 22 ends with that's um, right. vindication, you yeah. know? <laughs> so how could God, like, yep. you know, it's clearly this, I guess a, a metaphor or a, or a, a symbol where it's like he, he, it's a, he feels just like how plenty of us feel like at times we're abandoned by God, but God's right there in the middle of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I was, I was helping my um, nephew, Harry, who's six years old and his younger brother, Lockie, um, who, who's three do a jigsaw and Jake, they had all the right pieces. And the reason why we couldn't complete it is because they put some of the right pieces in the wrong place. Mm. And so much bad theology is the right pieces in the wrong place. Mm. Like um, it, it's not that there isn't um, motifs of substitution. Mm. It's that if you put it in the wrong place and you undo yeah. who God is revealed to be in Jesus, you do a disservice mm. and you can't actually f finish the, like <laughs> the, to, to extend the metaphor, um, you know how jigsaws have a picture on the front. Yeah. The, the picture that we're always trying to build um, through like w whether it's um, our, our prayer life, whether it's our, our service, whether it's um, uh, uh, thinking theologically, um, w what we're trying to assemble is something that reflects the glory we see in the face of Jesus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it, it's the face of Jesus that is on the cover of the box. Mm, and we have, yeah. we have all these pieces and we put them in the wrong place and we go, but it's in the Bible. Oh but yeah. I've got a verse for it. Yeah. We use but the Bible I've, to hide behind yeah. Jesus, you know, yeah. or to but hide if, from Jesus. If, if we, uh, yeah, that's good. If we're using, that. that's not, that's not for um, me. Uh, it'll preach. Um, <laughs> if, if we're using any passage in scripture in such ways that it obscures, um, the beauty, mm of the life of Jesus, um, we've missed it. We, we've made a tragic error. Yeah. Yeah. I know even just yesterday, I, um, so my best friend's uh, wedding was yesterday. Um, it was, you know, it was great. I got to be the best man. Um, oh, it was great. great. Um, but you know, the, so Friday night, we all stayed together. Um, you know, just, you know, one last night, you know, for him before getting married. And so yesterday morning we were all chilling and I was, um, we're all just kind of doing our own quiet times. Right. And I was, uh, I was reading through Isaiah and um, just sitting outside reading through. And I came across a verse where God says, you know, he's turning away from his people um, mm -hmm. or something about God and then something about God, you know, going to strike. Um, and so it's this, these images um, of a, what, what seems as God being violent or being, I, I guess unfaithful, right? Giving up and just being like, okay, like I am turning away from you, right? Mm -hmm. um, and if I'm being honest, it really kind of frustrated me. Um, and so then I went and grabbed my uh, my Kindle and opened up uh, BZ's Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God and went to his chapter on who killed Jesus, um, mm. and just kind of just kind of meditated on a lot of what he said there, um, because that particular passage I was reading in Isaiah, um, if you know, in, reading it in a certain way could be used to justify mm -hmm. this violent retributive view of God. Um, but I know that that's not the way of Jesus. Um, yeah. And so just trying to, and I still don't really, 
you know, if I'm honest, I struggle with, with interpreting a lot of, um, the, a lot of the prophets and, you know, plenty of the old Testament. Um, and, and I, I, I get frustrated with that because, you know, as soon as I start talking about God is love and how we need to follow Jesus, people are always like, well, what about the old Testament? And I'm like, well, well, but what Jack, about it? In, in terms like, of, yeah, exactly. Like, what, what about, about it? it? Because if you spend any time at a local synagogue, um, any rabbi will tell you that like the, the Jewish summation that comes up over and over and over again um, is uh, God is merciful and compassionate, mm. slow to anger and abounding in yeah. love. It's like that. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, you can have that revelation without even looking at yeah. the life of Jesus. And then you right? get to Jesus and you see a much clearer picture, you know, that's, I guess, um, you know, like the perfect revelation of God. Right. Um, but it, yeah, I, it's like, I think it's, and I don't know the history, but I feel like maybe it was, you know, a lot of Calvin's theory and stuff that influenced the way many Christians now read the old Testament. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. it, um, the difficulty is, is often to give handles to people on this stuff. Um, uh, Calvin is a lot more, uh, one of my mentors who, um, was actually my, um, uh, my wife's grandfather, um, Dr. Noel Vos, um, who uh, I knew before I met my wife actually. And, um, we met through, I used to be on the board of the Anabaptist Association of Australia and New Zealand. And yeah. uh, he, he served in that capacity as well, but he was also president of the World Baptist Alliance. The only Australian to, to be in that role was friends with Abraham Joshua Heschel. Um, oh, wow. Uh, just uh, uh, worked with the King family, like just yeah. an incredible um, godly man. Uh, he passed a, a number of years ago now. Uh, but somebody who's still into his nineties is somebody who traveled the world and um, was received by um, royalty and presidents and all the rest. And yet he was always there packing away chairs and making cups of tea for people offering mm. to pray with people, just humble, beautiful. Mm. Um, Noel was the best. Um, I remember bringing up with Noel um, Calvin who like, let's be clear. I'm clearly not a Calvinist in my theology. Yeah. And, um, I used to blog when I was younger as mm -hmm. well, Jake. Um, and, uh, I look back on some stuff I wrote about Calvinism being the spirituality of apartheid, um, which though technically true, Jake, like while, um, uh, it's, you can preach loving your enemies without loving your enemies. Mm. And to, to bring us back to John's text, this is the actual, so what is it to, to love and learn from um, Calvinists that um, disagree with? And one of the challenges from Noel is that he listened to me give this kind of caricature, which is fun, right? Like um, once you get a hold of this stuff, it is really easy to make fun mm. of yeah. um to do characters and it, it feels so good. Like, it's like, Oh yeah, that's <laughs> feels so righteous because they're so wrong. Yeah. And yet you, you haven't, it's mm. very hard to live through Christ while participating in games where you set yourself mm. over and up against someone yeah. else. Cause yeah. you almost have to step out of life in Christ to yeah. do that. Um, yeah. And Noel lent in and he said, Jared, how much Calvin have you actually read? Mm. 
And uh, I said, well, I've, I've read a heap of books on Calvin. He's like, but, but have you ever read the Institutes? I was like, no, they're massive. And he goes, wait here. He puts down his cup of tea, he walks into the next room and he brings out like Calvin's Institutes. Like, mm. and he goes, he go and passes me like this, you know, massive text. Right. Yeah. And he goes, um, start. And next time we meet together, we can have a conversation. Um, uh, Calvin is a genius like an actual intellectual genius uh, in a certain historical situation, uh, mm. doing his best with his um, uh, loyally mind to, mm. to bring stuff together. Calvin, in terms of the old Testament, I actually think um, Calvin's reading of um, the first Testament, the Hebrew um, scriptures is actually often far better than a lot of Lutheran readings, but that's another yeah. question entirely. But Jake, um, it, it is possible to, to arrive at a quote unquote better theology and step out of what it is to hear that dearly beloved, that mm. we're beloved. Yeah. Love one another mm. for love comes from God. What emanates from God? Love. love. Yeah. Those who love God know God. Mm. Those who do not love do not know God because God is love. And so the challenge for all of us is to actually, how do we do this work in such ways that we don't just become, um, fundamentalist circles can be nasty. They they can be very mean Mm. um, and uh, they can love conquering Mm. And we miss entirely what Paul says that we are more than conquerors and all we hear is conquerors and we're like, yeah, conquerors. <laughs> <laughs> and, but you, you know, what's, you know, what's even better than being a conqueror, what it is to be more than a conqueror. Mm. And that's the way that God wins. It's, it's more than a conquering. Yeah. Uh, n- not by mirroring that, which we're up against, but by embodying something different. Um, I know very few people who have been argued into faith. Mm. I know nearly no one who, who has not been loved into faith mm. and those intellectual kind of questions and everything, they come up in the context of yeah. an experience of genuine love. Sometimes yeah. people stick with bad theology, but is because they're loved well in the places where it's taught. Yeah, no, I sad it would be if we gave people a, a better theology, but a less experience of love. Hmm. No, that man, no, that's beautiful. I, I, I know what you mean by that. I mean, I, I know people very close to me who, you know, are older and, and hold to very fundamental, what I would say, bad theology that I greatly disagree with. Um, and yet at the end of the day, I, I respect them in, in many ways um, and find them very loving. Um, now, unfortunately, our theology, well, un, well, in a great way, our theology affects the way we live our lives, right? But unfortunately, yep. some of those people, due to their theology, um, live and act and say things um, that I find very unloving and very, yep. you know, not the way of Jesus. Um, um, but yeah, it is one of those things where it's like, you know, we can be fundamental even with good theology. We, in the sense of, we can, we can 
not kind of what you were saying about loving our enemies. It's just like, I feel like in a sense, if we're not around people that we may perceive as enemies, it's hard to love them because we just see them as like abstract, you yeah. know? And then, yeah, you, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and, and this is, well, it's almost the next verse, um, verse 10. Uh, this is love. So what's love? Here's it. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent God's son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Mm. And so the question there is like, how do we understand sacrifice? Yeah. How, what does that actually look like? Um, and um, that often gets pulled into the language of um, perpetuation and um, it, it becomes something that's, that's wrathful. But the, the imagery there is actually of the mercy seat. Mm. And th- this again is a Jewish person calling to mind um, the center of Jewish worship um, after saying that like love one another because the reality of God is love. Mm. And, and here we have an, an offering that is given for the people to cleanse the people that the people might be something new. And we sometimes miss that the offering isn't to God. <laughs> yeah. In the temple, the offering is like, that's how pagan worship works. Mm. Um, you, you bring an offering, uh, w- whether it's the, you know, the Virgin that's thrown into the volcano or yeah. um, uh, you bring an offering and you pee, appease an angry God mm. in the temple. Um, the great high priest brings an offering out on behalf of the people and it is it is literally like flicked blood is yeah. flicked mm. on the people for their cleansing it's a gift from god given from god for the people mm. not a gift given to god so yeah. which way the arrows work is really important mm. because if we have to offer jesus to god for our salvation <laughs> yeah. it works righteousness yeah right like yeah, yeah, yeah. so like we're talking about um you know, reformed theology, like, so let's play in a reformed tone. Like, um, that's works righteousness. Um, but yeah. if it's God giving of God's self, mm. even to the point of death, death on a cross, so that we might, might enter into and see clearly the self-emptying reality. Mm. Um, not that um, uh, Jesus is like, a, you know, this cup that I have in front of me that is empty. Yeah. Out. Jesus is much more like turning on the tap Mm. And that's the self-emptying, that this is who God is. Mm. Um, God, the Holy Trinity, is a love that self-empties into love, that self-empties into love, mm. and is drawing all of creation back in that to reality through yeah. the gift of the Son. Now, that's that's a very different way of work. And Jake, this is why um, my hope for you in this like theological journey you're going on, that it would make you a person of prayer. Mm. that theology um, wouldn't be um, like, I, w- I was really pleased to hear how you responded to like being troubled by the passages in, in scripture. And your response was to, to go somewhere wise and sit under someone who's actually um, uh, a person of prayer as mm. well. Um, not just academically kind of nutted out, but yeah. to be integrated in such ways that, we become more loving people Mm. that like we become if our 
theology about Jesus doesn't make us more Jesus-y. We need mm. to ask, are we actually allowing the Holy Spirit to be at work mm. whatsoever in yeah. our lives? Because that's what the Spirit does. Yeah. I mean, even, uh, I think I would add to that, if our reading of the Bible isn't, you know, if we're not coming away from reading the Bible as being more gracious and merciful and loving, um, then, you know, there's something there's something going on there, you know, like that we're not allowing to, we're, we're not allowing to, or we're interpreting it wrong or we're not like, I'll say for myself. And again, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to just, to just talk badly about reformed theology. Um, like I, I mean this in a, in a good way, I hope, but there on the days where I, where I, because I am a in intel, I'm I'm very intellectually inclined, and I love to study. And on the days where I'm like, oh, that's the you know like reformed stuff, like that stuff just makes the most sense or whatever. Ironically, when when I have those days, those are the days that I find myself to be the most angry, and the most unloving, and the most depressed. <laughs> um, and I'm like, wow, I don't want to feel this way. <laughs> like I like yeah. You know, like, uh, have you ever read uh, Jaber Crow by Wendell Berry? No, I've not. Oh, okay. There, there's some homework. There, there's this great <laughs> scene where it's, um, I think he's like in a barber shop, the, the main protagonist, and um, they're discussing stuff and they're just saying awful redneck stuff in this barber shop. And he pipes up and starts talking about Jesus saying, love your enemies and all the rest. And, um, concludes by saying something like um this would have been a great triumph for truth had i only loved them in the process or something like that like mm. it, it it just kind of illustrates everything that yeah. we're naming here um mm. uh the the, the maybe the saddest way to avoid god is in theology <laughs> <laughs> amen to that amen to that oh yeah yeah I think that's also, it's, it's a great way to know God, but man, it's um, definitely, I mean, I have my days where I'm up at 3am, you know, with a, with a book in my hand, trying to solve, you know, you know, the, some debate that's been going on for centuries. Um, and I just kind of missed the point of it all, you know? Um, but you just kind of, you got me thinking about, um, you mentioned, uh, judgment with the with the story of of jesus when he says um you know surely i will say to the them like i, I never knew you or whatever depart from me mm. um a year ago that passage haunted me um i actually had a mentor ask me what was the thing that i was most afraid of and i told him that um that jesus would tell me that he never knew me um like that, that was for, for months, that was like my biggest fear. And my mentor just kind of laughed. He's like, what? That's not it. I was like, no, I'm being for real. Like, that's my fear. Um, we also mentioned the Emmaus road and part of me wonders just kind of mm -hmm. as my eschatology has changed, like what if when Jesus says depart from me, he's telling people in reality to go walk the Emmaus road. Right. And in a sense, hmm. them walking away is actually God walking with them. Yeah. Like, and like, I don't know, like, I don't know, but I just believing that Jesus is the full revelation of God. Right. Um, so Jake, what, what I like, what you're experimenting with there is you're like, okay, how do we take Jesus words seriously? Um, 
but how do we talk about the dramatic way that Jesus is talking about um, judgment and pull that into something that looks like Jesus life as well. Mm. Um, and so uh, to, to understand um, even that as, um, and this is why um, if you do read the patristics, well, can, can I, um, can I share a story with you? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you know what time uh, it is? Cause I just don't want, I put the zoom call on like two hours and I don't want it to turn off on accident if it does. Oh, you, you'll be right. Um, so it, it won't turn off at all, but I, okay. I will have to eventually go. Um, okay. Uh, since this is uh stuff that you'll be, do you edit afterwards? Is that the go? Uh, I try sometimes, but normally I don't. Um, I'll okay. edit like the beginning and end a little bit, but yeah, yeah. Um, but well, let me um, let me read part of this passage uh, yeah. before we go into um that story. Uh, dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. See, that is fascinating. Like we could spend another two hours just on that, but. <laughs> If we love one another, God lives in us and God's love is made complete in us. Mm. We know that we live in him and he in us because he gave us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and them in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. In the same way, love is made complete amongst us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. Mm. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his sister or brother, they're a liar. For anyone who does not love their sister or brother whom they see cannot love God whom they have not seen. And those, and he gave us this commandment, whoever loves God must love his sister and brother. Hmm. Mate, the, the rest of our lives will just be circling around that text. Yeah. Like it's just in the same way that, that John towards the end of his life is trying to get a sense of, um, my goodness, what did we, what do we undergo? Yeah. Like th this is someone who's, who's literally experienced the resurrection, who was there for the ascension. <laughs> yeah. Who was there at Pentecost and then towards mm -hmm. the end of his life is going, okay, so what, what can we say? Mm. And th this is a, a companion to his gospel yeah. of John. Mm. And so I, I offer that as kind of like, here's a great place to start, mm. but it's also a great place 
to end. And it's what it is to participate in that love. That section where it talks about um, fear has to do with judgment. Mm. And how do we actually understand um, God's judgment and those questions that you frame in terms of eschatology? I'm going to try and um, tell you a story before my computer goes flat. But Jake, yeah. this is this has been fun. Um, two years back, um, so for, for eight years, I, I lived at First Home Project where um, we provided uh, nearly 100 recently arrived asylum seekers and refugees over those eight years with a place to find their feet, develop a rental history and um, uh, a, a place to stay and mm. um, make friends, find community and um, be able to, to make a go of it here. It was a Saturday night and it was um, uh, raining. It had been raining heavy, but now it was just like sprinkling and I'm pulling my slides together. I was preaching um, the, the next morning and my power goes out mm. and I go to um, turn the power back on. I go to the meter box and a lot of cloud coverage, all the lights are off. Um, can't see the stars. Everything's pitch. It's like one of those nights where it's so dark, you can't really see what's mm. a meter in front of you. Right. And um, um, I'm walking out my front door, down the side, going to the meter box, flick the safety switch, turn the power back on. And I see a white bike um, in the vacant block next to my house. Mm. And I'm like, somebody with a bike there. Looks a bit like my bike. That looks like my bike. <laughs> and I'm thinking that the, the people I live with, maybe somebody's borrowed my bike, right? Yeah. Like living in community. Mm -hmm. And so I yell out, you right? Like meaning you okay, you need a hand. Yeah. And they just bolt as in they just start running. Mm -hmm. Obviously they don't know um, that area at all because they're running straight into the creek. Like they're literally about to just like drop off into, into this creek. And instinctually, like I start running towards them, which is mm. just dumb. Like yeah. if, if somebody is stealing my bike, why <laughs> would you run towards them? Particularly if they're either about to fall in the creek or realize that they're trapped and they've got no way to go. Mm. So I run up to this dude in the dark. I get um, within a couple of meters and realize this is completely stupid. He's bigger than me. He's going to feel trapped. And, um, what am I going to do about him taking my bike anyway? And so I turn um, on my light on my phone and I shine it on my face. Mm. Um, so he feels like less threatened mm. and I'm like, what's going on? He starts um, just going on and on and on. He's really hard to understand. Uh, I, I don't know if he was high or whatever, but he didn't have many teeth, which made understanding him really difficult. Um, he's talking about that he's got drug debts to pay and if um, he gets enough for um, uh, for the bike, he'll bring me back the extra once he's paid like this debt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and then he's like, is that okay? And I'm like, no, it's not bloody okay. That's, that's my bike. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, he's yeah. like, can I bring you the... And I'm like, no, mate. That's, um, and um, things are starting to not feel good. And I did something which... Um, uh, is a technique that I have trained people in that helps de-escalate. Um, I introduce myself, um, my name and ask for his name. Um, so just as a way, 
and uh, his name was Damien and we got talking. It's raining. Um, I'm not feeling very sanctified, Jake. Uh, I, I'm like, um, mate, uh, would you like to come up for like a cup of tea, um, get out of the rain? Um, because I, I'm not going to stand here and argue. And um, he, he's like, um, uh, nah, why, why would I do that? I'm stealing your bike. And I'm like, you're not stealing my bike. And he said, what? And I said, I'm giving you the bike. And he's like, what? And I said, do you know what grace is? And he's like, nah. And I said, um, grace is when you're given something that you don't deserve. Mm. and he's like so you've called the cops that was his response <laughs> and i was like what do you mean and I was like, no i didn't call the, the cops he's like oh you call the cops that's what you're delaying me you've called the cops so he couldn't accept that like yeah. I, I was going mate you're obviously in a worse way than me just take the bike like um yeah uh, but i was like i need to get out of the rain i need to turn my power on i can put the kettle on um i have dry clothes um, uh, like if you want, there's a dry place to stay, but I'm getting out the rain. Hopefully I'll see you up there. So I, I walk off mm -hmm. and this is like bare minimal discipleship. I'm not feeling this in my heart, Jake. This is not me kind of, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, I'm just like, I'm tired. I need to go to bed. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I, I turn the power on and, uh, I head up now that the lights are on and, um, he comes up. And uh, I'm like, tea or coffee? And, and he said, coffee. And I said, I, I have a bed out here on um, uh, the outside bit of the, the front of the house. Um, I have a warm sleeping bag. You're welcome to sleep here. Um, and I have dry clothes if you'd like dry clothes. Mm. And again, he's really tentative. He's like, you've called the cops. So go in, I get dry clothes. I make him a cup of coffee. I come back out, I give him a coffee, I give him um, dry clothes. Uh, he changes um, into the, the clothes. He's got the sleeping bag. He said he's going to stay in the bed mm. and I've given him the bike. Um, I, I lock the door. I go to sleep. Uh, oh, and I said, and if, if you want to have breakfast in the morning um, uh, before I go to church, we can have breakfast together. And if you'd like to come to church, you're more than welcome to come with me. Mm. Um, Jake, I got up in the morning and uh, opened the blind and he wasn't there. I went out and his coffee had barely been touched. He put on dry clothes. Mm. And then once I went to bed, he took off the dry clothes. He put back on his wet clothes. Mm. He didn't sleep in the bed, but he did take the bike. Mm. And Jake, I just, I started crying mm. and it, it was it was just the sadness of obviously his life is such a mess right like mm. um drug debt somebody's obviously threatening him so he's come to um a house nearby try to steal a bike freaked out that somebody has shown him kindness doesn't know what the angle is thinks mm. somebody's called the cops now to to use the words of our lord like um, if we, even though, you know, worst diagnosis were evil can give good gifts to our children, how much more so mm. will our heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask like mm. it is problematic and, um, complicated as I am. Mm. 
if I can look at this fella and my heart towards him be his healing, Mm. like even not on a good day, even not feeling it, even not kind of, there was no kind of Holy spirit kind of warm fuzzies, goosebumps kind of like that. There was no, um, it was just like, mate, I'm tired. It's raining. You're having a rough time. Here's a warm drink. Here's a warm bed. Mm. Here's some warm clothes. If that is what we can be like, that our hearts are for healing and hospitality, Mm. for relationship and restoration. And yet we continue to take that which has been given as a gift and still think we stole it. Mm. and head out into the darkness thinking that we can somehow like hustle our way towards something where our life doesn't look so awful. Mm. How much more so for the rest of reality? Mm. The only way I responded like that is because I've been trying to live my life submerged in the love that God has for me, that he first loved me. And so those kind of responses are kind of, um, even when I'm not feeling it, it's a, it's a discipline. It's, it's yeah. like somebody shooting a jump shot. Like yeah. it's, you do it over and over and over and over again and spending my adult life, like living with people who are otherwise homeless, living with people who are coming out of prison, um, uh, um, welcoming refugees and asylum seekers. Like that's literally how I've lived my adult life in communities that mm. we've started to, to do that together. So this was just kind of like a, it's a knee jerk reaction. Yeah. For him, it must've felt like judgment, mm. but my heart towards him, Jake, mm. honestly, mate, I, I spent maybe 45 minutes with Damien, mm. but I've met Damien hundreds of times mm. working with people doing stuff tough. I know Damien in myself. Oh man. Mm. I know m- my own propensity to run back into the darkness mm. instead of respond to God's offer mm. of hope and healing and love. Mm. One of the things that was so healing for me, Jake, years ago, um, so I, I used to be the nonviolent um, movement coordinator for World Vision in the Middle East, Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, so the largest aid development relief organization in the world. And um, uh, visiting um, Saretz, um, uh, which is a Romanian monastery that is uh, sometimes referred to as uh, the Sistine Chapel of the East. Mm. Its iconography is actually on the outside of the building. Okay. And um, the iconography at the the back of this chapel um, shows um, the final judgment. Mm. And the final judgment, as the Orthodox understand it, and how it's depicted in this icon is, is Christ enthroned. And from... Um, the throne of Christ flows a river of fire Mm. and the fire is God's love. Mm. And to those on one side of that love, 
is experienced as eternal life. Mm. And to those on the other, it's experienced as eternal darkness. Mm. But it's not how God turns mm. from those people. It's yeah. how they turn from the reality of that love. Mm. Jake, I, I share that story to say um, we're all Damien. Yeah. Mm. And, and God offers us the fire of his transforming love mm. that there is a bed that's been made. So we have a place to stay. Mm. There is a meal on offer. There is something warm to bring us out of the cold. Mm. God's heart towards us is relationship is mm. restoration is healing. God sees in us mm. something that we can't see in ourselves. Mm. And yeah. Jesus is the judgment. Mm. I mean, John, who we've been spending time with in his apostle, let's jump in his gospel. Um, John yeah. three nineteen. Everybody knows John three sixteen. Mm. But this is the verdict, or this is the judgment: light has come into the world. Mm. We love darkness. Mm. Jake, my hope for this exciting journey you're going on is that um, the light, the love that John dares to name the mystery of God as mm. because he has spent time with Jesus mm. might not just be your theology that you can articulate, mm. but might be your lived experience in prayer that others would experience light mm. and love because you've undergone that love. Mm. Oh man. And um, what I love about that story of Damien taking it back to John is um, the, um, the verse on, uh, you know, he uh, let me just put up um uh if we are afraid it is for fear of punishment and this shows that we have not fully experienced yeah. his perfect love um i mean what i hear you yeah. saying with the story of damien is damien fled because he believed you were out to get him and you know you were out to to punish him yep. right or to, you know to call the cops um that you didn't really have yep. his best interest in mind and yet he was turning away from the very thing he needed and he just went back into the darkness and how many of us have that same mindset towards God, you know, yeah. or how many sermons have I heard that say that God has that retributive heart towards me um, that keep and that hearing that yeah. keeps me from, you know, resting in his love, man. Um, yeah. I just, I love how you say that we, we are all Damien, you know, just, that's, that's a sermon right there. <laughs> and Jake, the, the challenge, becomes for all of us is how do we relate to those parts of ourselves where mm. we want to run into the darkness mm. instead of actually like bring everything of who we are including what we do with our pain that hurts ourselves and others into the light mm. but salvation means healing salvation mm. means deliverance salvation means liberation mm. salvation means transformation mm. Mm. so what it is to actually bring those things into the light um, and trust that they can be transformed mm. instead of, uh, but who knows, right? Like, um, who knows what, where Damien's story ends. I, yeah. I've got so many stories after spending yeah. like, so I, I've, I'm, I'm 41 now. Right. And have spent my adult life living in Christian community, responding to, um, mm. Damien's. And yeah. I got, I got so many stories um, mm. 
like that. And we just never know where, yeah. where those little, what God might do with mm. those bits. So, yeah. So, uh, and thinking, as you go to sleep tonight, Jake, pray, pray for Damien. Oh yes, man, for sure. And, um, thinking about, I guess, eschatology, as you say that real quick, I do want to, I do want to mm. wrap up and, uh, and have you, have you pray. Um, but thinking of eschatology, I, um, I was reading through surprised by hope, uh, by NT yeah. Wright. And, um, he mentions that beautiful passage, uh, in revelation where, um, it talks about, um, how the, the tree of life or the trees of life, um, are there for the, the healing of, of the nations. And it's like, you know, even those who, who, you know, even when we run away, it's, that's not, that's not the end, right? Like the, the trees of life are there, you know, the, to, you know, for the healing. Right. Um, and have you met, read our mate Brad Jerzak on uh, just this? Um, have you seen his book, the gates of hell? I, I have, I, I have a good friend of mine. So actually that pastor I mentioned at the very beginning of this recording, his son is one of my best friends and um, he's read her gates will never be shut, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, Brad is, is brilliant. Um, and it, it's, it's a great, great text on this very discussion. And I mean, one of the things I think is great, you combining NT Riot with um, Brad and others is that it's kind of different influences. I mean, that's one of the interesting things, right? So NT Riot, he's actually formed by the reformed tradition. Yeah. Walter Brueggemann is actually yeah. um, uh, reformed. So um, uh, l- let's not too quickly write off I, I want to be as gracious with my brothers and sisters in the reformed tradition mm. as I am with my Muslim neighbors that I have so much to learn from. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> well, what does it say that I, I can't love those whom I differ with on. So, yeah. It, it just, yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, NT Wright's definitely not, um, John Piper, um, in a sense of, and I, and I want to yeah. love John Piper. I want to, you know what I mean? But yeah. in the sense of, you know, into, <laughs> as into, I disagree with him. I yeah. As love I just, dis- yeah, as I disagree yeah. with him uh, on a lot of stuff, um, and NT Wright disagrees with him on a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. but I think when most people think reformed, they think, you know, like Calvinism, um, and that's not necessarily, yeah. you know, they go, they don't always go together. I guess they're not always, mm-hmm hand in hand, you know what I mean? I mean, N.T. Wright is, you know, Anglican. So there's that. Um, I don't know. I'm not trying to like, I, I don't know what I, I'm not trying to get into the particularities of it all. Um, yeah. But um, Jake, I'm really excited about your journey, mate. Uh, I'm yeah. excited about the integrity in which you're undertaking this. Um, I hear the costs as well um, uh, in terms of, like family identity and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, my family before migrating to Australia were very involved in the IRA, which is a different form of mm. nationalism. It's not nationalism from above. It's yeah. nationalism from below. Mm. It's, um, uh, but the, the complexities of, and the trauma and uh, all, all of that and what it is to take Jesus seriously mm. in a way that is 
um, as serious about liberation, uh, mm -hmm. but realize that there's no liberation in mirroring that which, uh, you know, Desmond Tutu talks about, um, uh, we cannot become that which we are fighting against. Mm. Mm. And so the question is, well, how do we overcome evil? Mm. Um, one of my mentors, yeah. Jim Lawson says, we must overcome evil with good in our own bodies. Mm. That's good. That is good. Well, Hey Jared, uh, do you mind praying before we end? I'd love to mate. Yeah. Um, here, let, let me get some. All right. I'd love to pray. And as part of that, I'm actually going to pray um, Paul's prayer for the church of Ephesus. Mm -hmm. Precious Lord, we just thank you for this time together. I thank you for um, the way that Holy Spirit, your work in Jake's life is apparent. It's apparent in his uh, earnestness, um, uh, the risks that, that he has taken, uh, his heart for others to, to see the beauty of um, what he's seeing and wanting to share that humbly. Uh, in that, we ask that you would do what you do best. Show us Jesus. Mm. Lord, we desire to see you more clearly. For everyone who's listening, Lord, for myself included, Lord, would you make us aware of everything we share in common with Damien? Mm. Would you bring us out of the darkness? Would you help us trust the love that you have for us? Would you help us trust that you're as good as what we see in Jesus? Mm. Lord, we ask for the kind of courage, some might even use the word faith, mm. to trust that you are love, that you are light, and you long to heal all of creation, and you want to start in us. Mm. So with the Apostle Paul, we pray. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, mm. from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how long and wide and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Mm. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the It's Tough Dude podcast. 
Thanks for joining me on the journey of wrestling with the brokenness and the beauty of the world we find ourselves in. May we all be like those guys on the road to Emmaus who did indeed find what they were looking for.